Hi, I'm Dr. Nick Gaunt from the Scientific Podcasting Network, your host for the first episode of the Everyday Science Of, a series that aims to provide scientific answers to everyday life's questions. To kick us off, I spoke with my green-fingered friends and scientific writers, Rachel Cooper and Maya Fiedler, to explore the world of plants, how to keep them alive and well, and their psychological benefits. Enjoy. So, hi to my guests, Rachel, Maya. Uh, Can you both give us a brief introduction to yourself and why are you so houseplant mad? Hi, I'm Rachel and I have a background in biology with specific interest in science communication and media. And I'd say that my obsession with houseplants probably started when I moved up to Manchester for university. I love Manchester, but I've got to say the green spaces are lacking compared to what I'm used to. And having only lived in flats or houses where my garden was just a concrete slab, um, I've definitely craved that greenery. So I decided to kind of bring the greenery indoors. I'm Maya. Um, I have an academic background in marine and freshwater biology and science communication. Um, I grew up helping my grandmother in the garden, but became obsessed with houseplants as an escape from dissertation writing about two to three years ago. Since then, um, collecting and caring for houseplants has become a very rewarding and wholesome hobby for me. Fantastic. Okay, let's dive in and talk biophilia, the innate emotional connection with plants. Rachel, you have a self-confessed obsession with plant collecting. So can you tell us how it all started? Um, So as I said, yeah, it was when I became a student, I'd say. Um, I mentioned this in my blog, actually. It was the kind of cool thing to do when you turn up to uni. You go to the little market in your halls, get three for a tenner posters, and you just complete the student aesthetic. So yeah, it was definitely about that at the beginning. And then it was only from there that I actually realised I really enjoyed it. Um, looking after them and so I invested more. It was when the plants managed to survive you thought oh maybe I'm all right at this. (laughs) I was like hold on I've got a nag I've got to use this. (laughs) Uh, Do you have a favourite one now? I actually do yeah I had a lovely spider plant from my friend's mum because she just honestly she's got them coming out of her ears (laughs) because they're so easy to propagate but for my birthday in the last couple of weeks, I did get a beautiful pink orchid. So I think that might have taken taken the crown. Um, but that I was slightly worried at first because they have a reputation for being difficult to look after. But I've been put at ease that they're not they're not too bad. And after a bit of, you know, scrolling through plant talk, I, I've worked it out and uh, it's going well so far. Oh, yeah, I feel the same thing with orchids. Me and my dad um, started collecting them a few years ago. Just getting like going to the supermarket, seeing which ones are reduced and look like they're about to die and then nursing them <laughs> back to health. So orchids are definitely, yeah, definitely handleable orchids. Um, and they are beautiful when they're out as well. Um, oh, hello. <laughs> uh, so in your recent blog that you just mentioned, um, which we will put a link in for in the description um, and on our social pages, uh, you spoke about the correlation between so the, the exposure to nature and your mental health. Obviously, this is very important during lockdown and the, the year we've just had. So um, are plants a great thing to invest in, particularly through the pandemic? 
Yeah, definitely. It's actually a heavily researched area, which I was quite surprised by, um, with particular focus on like office environments, about how it increases happiness, productivity, makes you less stressed and stuff. And I think that's mainly because you're actually engaging with something psychologically and also caring for something. Um, and I think that's only become more important in the pandemic where actually a lot of us are working from home. So, you know, our homes have become the office environments. But yeah, so I think it's really important to kind of take time out to care for your plants and also caring for yourself in a, in a way by having a little hobby like that. And are there any health benefits around having plants in the house? Yeah, I was actually really surprised learning this, but they have uh, a lot of physical benefits um, with their air purifying, like, abilities um it's actually really important as you know it's been noticed in recent studies that indoor air pollution is quite a big problem and can be quite damaging and i feel like that's even more in uh winter time when no one's opening their windows i don't know about you but i'm trying to conserve mm. any heat i can so far too cold yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um yeah so it's it was really interesting learning that they can have big benefits on your air quality as well. I've also read that in addition to like being beneficial to your mental health, um, I've also read that they can improve chronic pain or pain symptoms. Um, and apparently having a plant or even a fake plant in a hospital room can help the patient recover faster, have a um, better hospital experience yeah so even a fake plant can do that plant uses are never ending <laughs> that's fantastic um and Maya I'm currently staring as well at some of my cacti that are looking a little worse for wear and since you since you joined us here you've been my go-to expert on keeping my plants alive uh with all your little hints and tips um why throughout winter have my plants all decided to die there could be a number of different reasons, but they may not seem to thrive as much due to the drop in temperature and um, lower light levels during the winter. Um, and these aren't very optimal conditions for cacti. Um, as a result, uh, I think your cacti are undergoing a state called quiescence which I like to compare to an energy saving nap until <laughs> um, conditions improve and they can begin to thrive again. Um, some people refer to this as dormancy, but um, I go more into detail about this in my blog post. So basically they're hibernating until it's safe to come back out. <laughs> Yeah, because um, you have to imagine that in their natural habitat, they like to live in a dry um, desert with very high levels of light exposure. Mm. So um, a Mancunian winter is not very ideal. So Maya, you mentioned your blog just then, which we'll link in the description for everyone and we'll, on our social channels as well. Uh, could you perhaps provide our listeners who are as poor at plant care as I am with three top tips to save their window displays. Okay. My first tip is do not overwater. 
all my plants do not get watered unless the soil is completely dry and I test this with my finger or a chopstick but I also recommend investing in a moisture meter especially if you're a beginner or someone who is prone to overwatering. I'm definitely gonna have to get one of those because I'm a compulsive overwaterer. I think I panic about it going the opposite way and I've decided that the way to deal with that is to just completely flood my plants. Yeah, <laughs> I'm exactly the same. I think I overwater <laughs> because I'm like, well, if if I overeat, it's better than undereat. So it's surely the same for a plant. <laughs> exactly. I think years of biology as well being like, they need water, they need light. All of this stuff has just been like, quick, get it all in. <laughs> During the winter, I just tend to notice that my plant's potting mix um, doesn't dry out as fast as it usually does. And I believe that this is because they do not need as much water as they do when they're actively growing during spring or summer. My second tip is to move your plants closer to more intense lighting. This could mean moving them closer to a south facing window if you are on the northern hemisphere or getting them a grow light. However, I've never bought a grow light myself and my plants have somehow survived. My third tip is to make sure that your plants aren't too close to any cold drafts or a heater um, as this can cause them damage. Ooh, and I have a bonus tip. I recommend scanning your plants regularly for any changes um, and to use the internet uh, blogs, video tutorials, Google image, um, to help you diagnose certain issues. So instead of overwatering, I recommend going around. Um, I usually choose like one or two days in the week where I just go around and have a little scan, maybe give them a spritz of water, check their potting mix. If they need water, I'll water them. If not, I'll just let them be. Um, and if I notice any pests or discoloration, then I'll try and take action. Wow. God, I feel like the worst plant mom in the world now. Yeah, I've just realized how awful I am as well. Um, so um, th those are some really fantastic pointers. And very obviously, myself and Rachel have learned a lot from those. And I'm going to note them down and I'm going to take much better care of my plants now. Um, but thank you very much, both of you, for that. Uh, we'll share these blogs on Twitter at SciPodNet, and you can learn a little more about how to keep uh, both yourself and plants happy and healthy this winter. So I thought whilst I had my plant experts with me, I'd explore what your weirdest plant-based myths are uh, when it comes to their care. Uh, one of the weirdest ones that I've heard recently is that they can actually cry. I'm not sure if that's true, but can you speak on that? I have noticed that um, my cheese plant and Scandapsus pictus uh, look like they cry after I've given them a thorough watering. Um, and I found out that this is actually called gutation. And this is just a way for plants to get rid of excess water. Um, so maybe it's more of like sweating than crying. Um, and usually I don't worry about this, um, but if they tend to expel excess water, um, 
for several days, then that could be a sign that I have overwatered. The other day, um, I remember reading on Nick, your Twitter feed, um, that spinach could soon be sending emails um, and warn us about climate change and chemical pollutants. Yeah, absolutely wild, isn't it? Um, it's pretty much like they've got their own little personalities, um, which is, is just crazy. I wonder if they send each other spam. <laughs> that would be hilarious. The email scam. <laughs> Scamming each other. <laughs> the weirdest one that I've heard I'd say is that people put mayo on the, the leaves of their plants to try and make them shinier what uh, I know that is definitely not real and that is a pure myth don't do it it'll just clog up the stomata your plants won't like it it'll just be a nightmare they'll probably start screaming or something <laughs> smell surely they actually do scream though don't they at times plants but it's high-pitched and we can't hear it yeah they actually do in moments of stress like in physical harm or in drought they do release a really high-pitched noise luckily we can't actually hear it because that could be a bit haunting but it does happen so they're screaming crying and covering themselves in mayo uh they're they're pretty (laughs) pretty much uh personalities now and i suppose that leads me on to the next part because uh I suppose if you've got a personality, you need a name for it. Um, Do you name your plants? Quite a lot of people do. Yes, I do. Um, Juliet the cheese plant is actually right (laughs) next to me. And then I've got Eddie the blue star fern. And then I've also got Ziggy the Easter cactus. But um, only a few of my plants have names. Wow. Uh, Really, what makes them the special ones that gets the names? Uh, I usually get plants as a reward. For example, Eddie the Blue Star Fern I bought after I handed in my dissertation about uh, mussels. And yeah, I named him after um, the Latin name for mussels. Love that. Yeah. See, I don't actually name my plants, but I definitely should now that I know that they are little people see I don't think I name any of mine because as soon as I'd name them they die and it you know if you personalize them before they die it's going to be it's just going to be painful (laughs) speaking of naming to finish off I thought we'd play a little game of guess the plant from its latin root yeah okay chlorophytum camosum uh I don't know. I'm rooting. I'm rooting for you, Rachel. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to take this one. I have one of these. So I'm going to say it's a spider plant. Yes. Correct. Ding. (laughs) Spathophyllum. Right. Not not clear. Mm. Um, Ooh. I I believe this is a... uh, (laughs) Sorry, that was awful. Um, but yeah, um, I believe this is some type of lily. I think it's a peace lily, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Correct. Um, next up, we've got Opuntia. Okay, right. I'm going to jump straight in because this is a prickly pear cactus and I love Jungle Book and they sing about it. 
So that's how I know. <laughs> I knew that oh, one as well. Wow, oh. you weren't quick enough, Nick. Yeah, I've got loads. These are the ones that are dying in front of me. There's tons of prickly pear cacti that are just oh, dying. No. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't have the right to get that answer. <laughs> Next one is Camideria metallica. Oh, um, metallica is probably a metallic palm then, is it? <laughs> yep, correct. <laughs> oh, Not we are good at this game. <laughs> And finally, for the listeners, Capulus. Ooh, well, I don't no, know. I don't one. have a clue. Well, listeners, if you know what Capulus is and you'd like to help Nick and Rachel out, do let us know on Twitter. And tune in again soon where we'll be exploring a new topic. Until then, goodbye from us. You've been listening to the Scientific Podcasting Network. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at SciPodNet for more episodes and our latest news. Thanks for listening.